0: And welcome on into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. We got a loaded, fun pod here for you on a Thursday. We got a lot of free agent or really off-season positional needs. We'll rank the most important positions here for the Colts to address this off-season, either in free agency, maybe making a trade, or in the draft as well. We have some great, great quarterback news we saw on social media that we'll let you know about as well. And, of course, George, it's never too early to start looking ahead to 2024. The Athletic this week put out their power rankings for 2024. I'll tell you where the Colts landed and who is both above and below them. Very interesting names, both above and below. So we'll give you that as well. A loaded pod here. But like we just said in the open, it is a Thursday we are recording. That normally on a Wednesday. George, how are you feeling? Because I'm a little nervous that even though Jeff Saturday is no longer the head coach in town here, Maybe your immune system is being coached by Jeff Saturday. Still,
1: it's been rough. It's been a rough winter. I swear, every time I get over, you still hear a little bit of it in my voice—the the scratchiness. Um, every time I get over one of this crud, there's it's like a new one comes in right right behind it. So it's a lot like last December with the Colts. So you just you never know what the next week's going to bring, uh, but you just kind of assume it's going to be worse than the week before.
0: The germs just doing snow angels in your uh, in your For body sure. right now, I guess.
1: They definitely were earlier this week. Starting to rebound now. Like I said, you can still hear it. I mean, it's it's not gone, which is probably good because as soon as it gets gone, I'll get it again. So (laughs) hang on, hang on for a little bit here. And you know, that's the trade-off.
0: Well, you are tough. So you are playing hurt today. We appreciate that. Glad to hear you're feeling better. And hopefully once this cold is is gone. We are—it's gone for good, and now we can get you healthy for at least a week straight. Now, if you live like a normal person again, it's been yeah, been a rough, rough winter that is for sure. Baby steps. <laughs> you're right about that. What's not been a rough winter though so far is the Colts off season, because we were talking, George, right before the pod we came out here, kind of talking about positions of need and how to address. And you come to the realization pretty quickly, especially when you juxtapose this year with last year. It's like you could argue. All the positions we're going to talk about here, maybe in this offseason we are talking about the Colts either in the draft or for agency needing to sign two starters, three starters. A lot of their moves um, and a lot of the cap money that can be spent this offseason, for the first time in a long time I could say this, it's on luxury items possibly.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean... I think the big money is probably going to come in house. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. in all likelihood will be the biggest signing of the offseason as far as the numbers on the contract goes. And and we'll see. I mean, that's not a done deal. Um, certainly a lot of optimism, I think, that, that they'll be able to get that done, that they're going to work something out. And, and that at the very least, they'll tag him and, and then try to work out a long-term deal after the tag's been done. Um, but we'll see how that goes. You do have Zaire Franklin already threatening to tackle him in OTAs. I think that's a good sign uh, that that, that things are moving in the right direction. Um, But it's just so different than a year ago. I mean, when when you're talking about a complete and utter makeover, and some of this is, we've talked about it before, it's the result of getting the head coach right. And, you know, we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but there's increasing sentiment around the league. They got the quarterback right too. And I know people are going to say he only played four games. He showed a lot of people a lot of promising things in those four games. Um, it's by no means can can you cement him the way you can uh chain right now because you gotta see it obviously, you gotta see consistency, you've got to see it over long You gotta see him make and finish conse- make consecutive starts and finish consecutive games at this point. But there is so much optimism about what Anthony Richardson can bring to this this offense. Um, and I think that's why you now can focus, like you said, this off season on some luxury items, um, on bringing people in on rookie contract. It's a, it's a completely different world we live in than, than one year ago.
0: You're hundred percent right. I mean, you look last year, like, look, there are certain players, right? Like Quentin Nelson, DeForest Buckner, like we're obviously like locks to be on the roster, but it's like, you look at last year compared to this year, George, the amount of, the amount of questions it's reduced by almost tenfold it feels like
1: yeah i mean last year are they going to trade for the number one pick if they don't will they get anybody at four that can can help the team you know it was just anything was on the table like you said and because there were trade talks and there were you know all kinds of questions about which direction this team was going to go it didn't feel like anybody was safe outside of like quentin nelson and the Buckner. Uh, and there were even points last year where i wondered if the Buckner butner would be back just because you're thinking does he want to be you know, you knew there were going to be a couple veterans that, that jumped ship. Um ended up really just being one. But you never know. When, when you go through the kind of season they went through, you never know what the roster is going to look like the next year. Uh, and I think now you do have a pretty good feeling about at least certain guys in certain positions. And it's a big... This year, it's more about who can they resign because there are some really big names, you know, about to hit the, the, the market next month. And who can they keep off that market and who can they bring back if they do make it there? You know, Julian Blackman's name is going to be thrown around a lot. Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, obviously Pittman we mentioned earlier. Um, even Zach Moss could could eventually come back around to, to them. I think he's one of the guys. I would put, in the, and I'm sure this will be a future pot, he's probably one of the guys that would put in the more likely to leave uh, category just because much like Gardner Minshew, he's probably going to get a better starting job or a better starting opportunity somewhere else, and that usually comes with more money. Um, but yeah, I think the questions this year are, are mainly about that. You know, Who are they going to be able to bring back? And then once that's done with the money that's still left in the pot, who are they going to bring in?
0: A lot of money there, fourth most cap space, just about $60 million roughly for the Colts to spend this offseason. So should be a busy one for Chris Ballard, that's for sure. Um, So let's start here, George. When you look at this position just in general on this team, that is the biggest focus this offseason. What position do you think that would be?
1: It's a really good question. When we were talking about this before the pod last year, I would have felt like all 22. (laughs) 23 with the kicker. Um, because it just felt like you had to start, and we talked about it all off-season long last year. It felt like you had to start all over again from square one, just clean the slate and rebuild it. You know, from from the ground up, which they kind of did in some ways. Um, But it was more of a culture rebuild in, in that, and the roster didn't change as much as as it you might think when when you have a head coaching change. A lot of times, two thirds of that roster is turned over, and you know they didn't really have much more changed than the average NFL offseason last year, but they changed the way they do everything. You know, I I don't know for a fact, but they probably have different like paper towels in the cafeteria <laughs> there. I mean it was everything they did was was different and the building uh you know even when you walk in to do interviews and things the hallway to the locker room is completely different. <laughs> they just changed there's like video screens there now that, that show highlights of past games against that week's opponent. The captains have photos up on the wall. Like it's things that never happened before. And you might think, well, that's nothing, but it's a sign of how detail oriented this head coach is. Nothing. It's Shane Steichen's gaze and you know, how committed they are to, to changing every aspect of the franchise. And it worked. I mean, they went from four wins to nine wins and they were 15 yards away from, from making the playoffs. So, You know, you can't argue really much with the results. But now I think that's where this is the harder jump. I almost feel like as big a task as that was and as difficult as that was, it's easier in the NFL to go from four wins to nine wins than it is to go from nine wins to 12 or 13. And now you've got to make the right picks and you've got to, you know, identify the right areas. Um, And I do think that that's tough. I look at it. And I think more than a specific position for me, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, it's more a skill set that you need or a group of skill sets that you need. Like, do you need a wide receiver or do you need a threat in the passing game? You know, somebody who catches the football and can make plays after that. To me, it, it doesn't matter if it's a wide receiver or a tight end or even a running back out of the backfield, you know, if that's the best option that you get, you just need somebody who's going to make a play with the ball in their hands after Anthony Richardson throws it. I don't think it matters what position they're at. And on defense, you need somebody who can give more consistently, get the quarterback on the ground. I think they got a lot of guys who get pressure. They need guys who get big sack numbers at this point. You need to finish the job a little more often. And so can you get that guy, you know, is he out there this year in the offseason who can come in and give you a double-digit sack season? We'll see. On a consistent basis, year in year out, and the same thing in the secondary. You know, the especially. I think safety is the underrated spot here, just because Chris Ballard mentioned it specifically in that postseason press card. Anytime he says something without us asking, it sets off alarms for me. And he talked about needing more consistency at safety. Now he said that could come from Nick Cross. Getting a year older and you know having a, a year under his belt here because he really was a rookie this year for the amount that he played in his his true rookie year. It could come from Rodney Thomas. It could come from re-signing Julian Blackman. But that's a position I would keep an eye on just because anytime the GM mentions it, it like I said, sets off alarm bells for me.
0: We'll get to safety here in a second, but I think you're right in the sense that pl- I think pass catcher should be first and foremost, and I like the way you kind of phrase it, because I think you're right, and that could be in all different forms. Um, I think in this case, first and foremost, that starts with re-signing Michael Pittman Jr. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's an excuse to let him go. I don't think his market's going to be exorbitant where, you know, he's getting $33 million a year and you're priced out. Um, so I think that that is priority number one, resigning MPJ, making sure he's there. That consistent receiver gets the tough yards over the middle, can break a tackle, I think a quarterback's best friend, especially for a guy with Richardson's skill set, I think that's priority number one. And then, in that vein, going back to Chris Ballard's end uh, season-ending press conference, one thing he harped on and mentioned a few times was getting more explosive, right? Making more explosive plays, and that we talked about at the time could be in different. You can have that be accomplished in multiple ways. I think in this case. So I have two answers for that. I'm curious your thoughts here. Number one, you mentioned tight end. I have fallen in love, George. It's over. I am all in on Brock Bowers. That is a guy that I have circled for the Colts at 15. If they don't get him, if he goes earlier in the draft, I'll be heartbroken. That's a guy I think that fits this team perfectly. Big time physical tight end can block well, can catch the ball well. I think he could, I think he could end up being in that Travis Kelsey kind of tight end window or tier, if you will, just like a unguardable playmaker. And as we saw with the chiefs, their receivers are, are not great, but they have one of the most, you know, legendary tight ends that we'll see in this game. One of the most unguardable tight ends, um, the NFL has ever seen. And that has led them to three Super Bowls. So tight end is obviously a big time impact, um, position. We saw with Dallas Clark here for a very long time, um, amongst others as well. That's one where I think if you can land Brock Bowers, massive for this offense. And here's a name I want to throw your way, George, that kind of going back to what we started the pod with, it's a name that's more of a luxury, where he's not going to be your number one, number two, even number three receiver. But I think he checks two boxes, explosiveness and versatility, which I do think that that's another thing that Shane Sykin looks for. Can you play multiple positions? Can you do multiple things? A guy that we've seen in the division the last few years, What about someone like Jamal Agnew? Like someone in that realm of where he's explosive on kick returns. And, you know, that's also been a problem Mm -hmm. for the Colts in terms of special teams, not really a lot of explosiveness in the return game. He brings you that. Also, he's someone that you could put in the backfield, put in the slot, put as a gadget player, if you will, and just have him with the ball in his hands, be a threat. And if you have Richardson, JT, and someone like Agnew on the field at the same time, Defenses are going to be spread thin. That's like, uh, I think, an area where Ballard has to look at this offseason, where it may not be Agnew specifically, but someone who fits kind of that mold of explosiveness and sort of like a jack-of-all-trades where you can kind of put him in multiple positions and have him just make a play. That's where I feel like when you have a, a young quarterback on a rookie deal, those are the kind of moves you make. When you're trying to take advantage of that, not only signing your best receiver in MPJ, but also now adding one of those dynamic players with a creative mind and psyche, like we've seen, to just really make this offense really unguardable and really explosive next year.
1: Yeah, it's like adding guys who who kill your team too. And Agnew is one of those guys that that every time he plays the Colts, he makes huge plays. So put him on the team is one way to to keep that from happening for sure. Um, I think kick return is is you know, one of those stealthy things too. It's not something you can really target um, because you're going to spend big money. No, like, you know, Hey, let's go get a kick returner and, and spend, even though Devin Hester's going to the hall of fame. So the, the position value is going up. Positional value is, is on the rise. Um, but you think about that spot going into this year, Dallas flowers was the guy. He obviously tore his kill. Mm-hmm. And now you have to wonder one, he's coming back from a torn Achilles. So that's, Do you want to throw him out there and, and, you know, make him a kick returner knowing that he's healing? Uh, but two, you assume he's going to be competing for a a starting cornerback spot. And again, do you want this guy who's coming back from a torn Achilles, who's competing for a starting role at a corner, to also be the kick returner? Depending how things shake out there, if he's back to 100% faster than, you know, normal from from something like this, uh, or if Jalen Jones and, uh, Juju and Juju Brent, sorry, medicine in my head Uh, (laughs) and Juju Brent's win those, those starting spots, you know, maybe that, that goes there too, but it does make you wonder sort of, you know, who's that? the other guy who was doing a lot of it was Isaiah McKenzie. And I think we can safely say he's not coming back. (laughs) So his contracts up and and obviously ended the year on suspension. So, you know, that it's not a major question. It's not something that I think you're going to headline, you know, the off season, it is, I think it is something that is interesting. And if you can add depth at that wide receiver spot and that guy's a kick returner, I think that would be a really good outcome for this team. As far as the draft goes, I think the perfect scenario right now, and it seems more and more likely every day because the way the reports are at this moment, 14 quarterbacks going ahead of both, I think would be the best scenario. Everybody either trades out to someone who wants a quarterback or takes a quarterback, barring that, I think, Brock Bowers is, is, is I, just think of what Tom Manning could do drawing up trick plays with him. I mean, you know, they had the little fake with Isaiah Franklin and their fullback to, to Mo Ali cox Bowers could play any spot in the, in the fake, including, I think, throwing the ball. So, I mean, carry the ball on fourth down for you. He can definitely do his job, like you said, as a tight end, maybe as well as anybody in the league. Um, it's gonna be interesting because I think there's a lot. He, to me, he's the wild card in this draft. He's all over the place in my drafts, and a lot of it is how much do people value tight end right now? Are they scared off because of what happened with Kyle Pitts in Atlanta? I'd say not if they look at the usage of Kyle Pitts in Atlanta, but that that's beside the point. Might be a reason that that there's a coaching change there. I think Raheem Morris's number one goal might be to you know put Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts on the field, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how teams react to Bowers because I do think he's a game changer and that should make you a top 10 pick. It's an interesting year because you've got not 14 quarterbacks, but there's legitimately four of them being talked about going before the Colts pick at 15. Uh, It's supposed to be a strong offensive tackle draft. So how many of those guys go early? And then it feels like every year there's one or two positions that you weren't thinking we're going to pop into that top 15 that do because teams decide, you know, this is, this is a more shallow pool at whatever spot. And we better get the top guy there now, because when the second round comes around, there's going to be a receiver there, there's going to be a tackle there, but there's not going to be a safety or a linebacker or whatever. You might not be thinking right now that that team needs. So, I think Bowers, to me, every year there's one guy that that it feels like could go fourth and could go 24th, and you wouldn't be legitimately too shocked either way. Bowers seems like that guy to me right now.
0: And going back to your point, kind of going back to the overall point of, I think we're both in agreement that the number one priority this offseason is like pass catcher and kind of leaving that vague instead of just saying receiver because you can plug in a tight end. Like I would still contend, George, right now the most – the toughest matchup for defenses I think is a great tight end just in part because a great tight end usually means they're big they're strong but also fast and nimble and it's like there's not really there's very few defensive players that are strong enough fast enough and athletic enough to kind of go stride for stride with a tight end either you know safeties are too small linebackers are too slow like There are very few players that can actually, like, you could put on a tight end, be like, all right, we got this on lock. So, if you get one in that realm and you have a, a top five tight end, let's say in the league, like, you have a major advantage over a lot of other teams. And you have a major advantage over most defenses you play in a given game. And going back to just explosiveness, if you can have, in most games, a mismatch in your advantage at tight end in Brock Bowers. Um, you know, an athletic advantage with with again Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson in the backfield. You sign someone like Jamal Agnew of that realm. Like you talk about explosiveness, George. Do you talk about just so many weapons at Steichen's disposal? Like this is that just helps to ensure as much as you possibly can that Richardson is going to hit. He is going to live up to these expectations that people are putting on him after seeing him in a short, simple size of four games. Like, it's making his job easier. It's making Steichen's job easier. We've seen too many times teams ask a quarterback to be a hero and just give him, like, one weapon and say, okay, go make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? And it's just, it's hard to do. And if you look at, right, like, you look at keeping up with the Chiefs offense, you look up keeping up with the 49ers offense and the Ravens offense, like, there are a lot of good teams. With young quarterbacks that are going nowhere anytime soon, and if the Colts want to get on their level, it is about versatility, and it's not asking Richardson to be the hero. It's well, you got four other guys right now that defenses are worried about that. The advantage is in your favor. That's that's going to be huge, right, for making like this offense get to the point where they are a top five offense in the league, which I think is definitely doable. After what we saw in the small sample size, maybe not next year, but like in the near future here, I think it's definitely. That's the expectation right now that we are, you know, at the beginning of what should be a very explosive offense for the next few years.
1: And they were top 10 scoring offense this year with, with all the things that happened playing the backup quarterback, the whole season, all the other injuries in and outs that they had. So I think going to top five again, not necessarily next year, but going to top five in the, in the very near future should be a realistic goal for this team. It should be something that that's almost an expectation. Um, I think that's, but to, to get there, like you said, <clears throat> like general manager said, you've got to add explosive players wherever they come. Brock, Brock Bowers absolutely fits that, that mold. And I think it tells us history, you know, with, with Ballard, he's been here long enough now that, that you have plenty of a track record. Those explosive players are more likely to come in the draft than in free agency. And he said himself, a lot of those guys don't hit free agency it's rare that you get a guy who's really a game changer on the free agent market Uh, there's got to be a really specific set of circumstances to make that happen most of the time the guys that get there are good you know it's not like they can't help your team but there's a reason they're on the market there's something that they weren't giving their their other team that's probably going to haunt you a little bit too so doesn't mean that you don't dip into free agency at all but you think you have to be selective and if you look at the two super bowl teams they are I mean, the the biggest move that the 49ers made was a trade for Christian McCaffrey. And and there were people not happy with that trade at the time. What are you doing trading that much for a running back? Well, probably the best player in the NFL right now, or at least the most uh, difficult offensive weapon to stop in the NFL right now. A touchdown he scored early in the Super Bowl. I mean, the pass took, I think, 2.5 years to get there. Just kind of floating from, from the receiver how many guys in the NFL score on that play? I mean, that's, that was my first thought as soon as he got in there. How many guys, especially running backs in the NFL, score on that play? It doesn't matter what position you're at. If you can get a difference maker, and I think that's what Ballard's looking at. That's why I think he's on the right track. I don't think you sit there and worry about where they're at. If you've got a guy who can make a difference in a game like that, a game changer, you do it, and if – I, and I think he's open to any avenue. I really do. I think trade, free agency, draft are, are all on the board. It's just where is it most likely to come? More likely than not in the draft.
0: You're right about that. It's going to be interesting. So pass catcher, I think we'll agree, number one in terms of off season, off season priority. Number two position, George, would be what in your mind?
1: I feel like pass rusher just because it's such an important part of the game. And I feel dumb saying that because they just had 51 sacks and they set the franchise record. But it felt like it was feast or famine. They would have a six sack game and then you know maybe one, one, one. And then here's another five sack game and then one, one, one. I just feel like they need that, that one edge rusher that opponents need to be aware of Week in and week out, that that their offense coordinators are, are have sleepless nights the week leading into the game because they're doing a good job right now by committee. They're bringing bodies at you. They're getting fresh legs. I don't think they're quite where they want to be to to eight guys in there, but they're they're closer than they've ever been as far as that rotation goes up front. And there's things they've got to do to to keep that in, in in together. You know, I mean, you've got to bring back Grover Stewart. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Taquan Lewis. He's been really amenable the last few years to to coming back. He wants to be here. He likes it here, uh, and they really appreciate his versatility. But I do think that's the missing piece. Quiddy Pay has been excellent against the run. He's a high-pressure guy. He will get you some sacks, but he's not – he's obviously not Nick Bosa, but he's not – I don't think opposing offenses are going into the week going, what's the plan for Pay? And the same thing with Samson Ebicom on the other side. Great signing. I think really did a lot of things Danico Autry did here for, for years. Uh, really was the first signing that, that Chris Ballard had uh, when he was here in Indy was Autry. And, but even with Ebicom, I think it's another very similar situation of I, I don't think opposing offenses are, you know, we need a chip over there. We need to make sure that we, we've got help on that side. Colts need that guy. And I, I don't know if they can get him this offseason i don't know if the draft is deep enough at that position that they could draft somebody at 15 who could be that guy those guys are very seldom there in free agency so i don't think it's an easy one to fill but if i was on madden that's that would be you know the way i'd be trying to to answer that that question um because i i do think that's the other piece that you look at these super bowl teams that they have they all had Excellent tight ends, George Kittle and, and Travis Kelsey. I almost said Jason Kelsey, and that, that would have been very, very I mean,
0: awesome. he's been somehow in the news just as much, if not more.
1: He has been, and there's there's no doubt. And he is living his best life, but that's beside the point.
0: Couldn't agree the, more.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we all would love to be Jason Kelsey at this point, but probably including Travis Kelsey, but <laughs> –
0: Taylor Swift, Super Bowl champ, I think I mean, he may be the sure. only person that says, you know what, I'll stay who I am.
1: But he wasn't dancing in a luchador mask. I mean, come on, in, in postgame. He still has some, some game to, to pick <laughs> up here. But defensively, I think that's where the Colts – you look at the offense, it, it's close. You, you, can, you can honestly say the offense is maybe just a couple pieces away from being really good and, and really a problem for opponents. Defensively – that's where they, they don't match up well with, with the Super Bowl teams and even the conference finalist teams. They all have more game made, more game changers, more explosive players on defense than, than Indianapolis does right now. So I guess while I say pass rusher, I would extend that to defensive playmaker, kind of sticking with the idea we have with pass catcher. Whatever level they are at the defense, can you affect the quarterback? Because I just don't feel like the Colts do that consistently well enough. They do at times. They'll even go a week or two at a time where they're you know, all over the quarterback. They get pressure. They're they're getting interceptions. They're, they're getting their hands on the ball. They're knocking passes down. They're, they're hurrying him. Uh, but they don't do it consistently week in, week out. And the teams that compete for Lombardi trophies, that's one of their key attributes.
0: It does feel like the defense overall was feast or famine in a way where you're right. It's, it's some games they look great. Other games they can't stop a nosebleed. Um, that definitely starts with the pass rush. But your point before about basically there's there's not like one stopgap answer out there that's either on the trade market that you could trade your 15th overall pick for, sign in for agency, or get in the draft. There's no one guy that says you get him. All of a sudden, all of the pass rushing inconsistencies are solved, which is why for me at least, I would say my second most important position is secondary. I think in part of if you are gonna like live with that defensive line where it's it's solid it's not great it's not where you want it but it's solid right now and you say okay there are some games where we're not going to get a lot of pressure I would then put my attention towards okay let's get guys in the secondary that can hold their water that can stick with guys a little bit longer and are, are used to kind of playing without a pass rush and obviously look the Colts right have two guys in that um in that area and Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman I think both should be resigned but let me throw this your way, George. Chris Ballard at the end of the season press conference mentioned that he would like to take advantage, and this is the time to take advantage, of having a quarterback on a rookie deal. If you're Chris Ballard, I got two names on a throw by you. They're going to command a lot of money in the free agent market, but I feel like with the way the Colts situation is right now, this could be money well spent. Legereous need of the Chiefs. Jalen Johnson of the Bears both really, really shut down, lockdown corners. Jalen Johnson was just a second team all pro DB. Um, they're gonna get a lot, you know, top market money, but they're both young for in the case of Sneed, right? He's coming off back-to-back Super Bowl championships. So he's the guy that can bring that championship experience with him to this team, um, and try to inject what is a young team, hopefully, kind of teach them how to win. That is one where if you talk about a position, George, where, hey, you know what? Maybe this is the year in free agency. You're going to blow it out. And Chris Ballard is going to do something he's never done before, which is really spend big in free agency. If there was one position you're going to do that at, I think for me, it's DB. If you can get, let's just say, a guy like Sneed in and take one half of the field away, and then you have Juju Brent, Jalen Jones um, kind of competing for the other one and having some good depth there as well, I think if you're the Coltick, that's like that's the perfect scenario right now for what you want to do, where you can win right now, capitalize on a young rookie quarterback salary, and go get in a top-line DB at a position of need that also, in the case of Sneed, kind of brings championship experience with him.
1: I definitely don't think they need more youth in the secondary. That's not a place I would target in the draft. I mean, they, they've Agreed. got young kids all over back there. Um, and I do think that's a spot that you should target in free agency i mean you need a veteran who can come in uh and lead those rooms but also like you said i mean a guy like sneed would would bring that championship uh pedigree with him uh which is always good to, ha- to have in there i think that's one of the things Stephon gilmore brought them you know the year before uh and you could tell me as, as many things went wrong in 2022 which is basically everything gilmore did have the those defensive backs playing at a different level. I mean, they watched him in practice and they understood what, how he brought it day in and day out. And the thing that you wish is that, that he could have been here last year for all those rookies yeah. uh, exactly the guys that were here with him Definitely benefited from it. Uh, Dallas flowers in particular. I mean, they, they've Ballard's mentioned that a few times, how Gilmore kind of took him under his wing and um, definitely helped bring him along. But I think bringing in somebody like that with, with that kind of pedigree, um, who can be that leader? I feel like that's one of the biggest things that we're missing last year in the back end because it wasn't just Gilmore; they lost Rodney McLeod as well, and those were the two veteran voices uh, in that secondary that that you know could pull a guy aside and say, "Hey, that's not how we do things here. That's not the the standard in the NFL." And it's not that they don't have stand up guys back there. I think Kenny Moore just is a different kind of leader. He was the veteran. So he was the default guy. He's not going to be a vocal leader. That's not who he is. He's more watch me, you know, follow my lead that way. Um, And that's fine. You need those guys too. But I think, especially in the NFL, every now and again, you need that guy in that, in that position room, not your coach, not your position coach, not your coordinator, your peer who can come over and kind of knock you in the head and say, Hey, that that that's not gonna fly. You gotta do this way. Or just even the simple stuff of in game, you know, noticing something and, and moving where they are, or, you know, finding something a quarterback's doing or a receiver's doing that that might be a tell, those are veteran leadership qualities that that they didn't have um last year because they just didn't those guys weren't on the roster. I think Julian Blackman's another guy who can develop into that kind of kind of role, but he's still too young in his career to to be that guy. So I think bringing in whether it's the Gilmore model, which I think Sneed and, and uh, Johnson would be younger versions of, right. of, of Gilmore, uh, or whether it's the McLeod model, where it's just a really sturdy, solid vet who's going to come in here start, but also give that wisdom, give that knowledge. I think one way or another uh, they need to bring in and maybe, you know, maybe like that off season, maybe both bring in one corner and, one safety in uh, who can, can do that, have that kind of impact. Because I do think they were, they were missing that uh, last season.
0: We talked a lot about right with all the Colts for agents that this off season, it looks like a large part of the money they have available will be spent on retaining a lot of guys. So mm-hmm. while I think for the most part, a lot of money will be spent on keeping guys here, not necessarily bringing a lot of outside guys in, that feels like a position where it feels like you have to bring someone in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I would definitely explore the option if both are interested in coming to Indy. I would explore blowing it out for Sneed. I would explore blowing it out for Johnson and bringing two really damn good shutdown corners to this town. I guess one of the two um, to this town and bring them on the team. And like I said, bring that leadership and experience with them. But if you're not going to do that, I think bare minimum, then you have to bring a cheaper vet in to, like I said, just provide leadership just to provide some sort of mentoring and allow, you know, kind of show guys the the ropes a little bit, because it is for the most part in that secondary, it sort of is the blind leading the blind in a way where, Everyone's still young enough where they're kind of trying to figure out their own way about it and kind of figure out their own role and getting comfortable with what they're doing. So it's not a lot of wisdom being, you know, passed down or tricks of the trade being passed down to, you know, make you better and kind of make your job easier. I think that's definitely an area that Chris Ballard 100% has to go out um, into free agency and go off another team and go bring in here. Now the only question I think is really, what route do you want to go down? You want to just say we're gonna spend big money on this guy? Or is it we'll go down the cheaper route, but bring in a more experienced veteran, Rodney McLeod esque kind of in that um in that mold for sure. Um, all right, George, one other one here. So we have pass catcher. Um, we are both in agreement that is number one priority for the Colts. I would say secondary is two, you're going pass rushers number two. What would be third on this list?
1: Because I lumped the defense together. You know, uh, I, I think depth at receiver, um, at wide receiver in particular. We were talking about pass catcher earlier, uh, and in that we mean starting caliber. And that's going to be somebody that's going to come in here and, and play a lot. But I was looking at the numbers. I did, like, last week a little off season breakdown, you know, trying to see position by position. After their top three, which, you know, were Pittman, Downs, and Pierce. The fourth wide receiver had 11 catches. I mean, that's that's an incredibly tiny number, uh, especially with as many four wide formations as you normally see around the league right wow. now. They run a lot of that, obviously, and and I think part of that's because they didn't feel like they had four guys to to roll out there. Um, I just you need more from that. To me, you need more depth, not just because you want to have four guys who can catch the ball. I mean, that seems like a pretty basic, you know, command in in, in the NFL right now. But injuries, you know, we, we saw it when Pittman gets hurt. Who steps up, you know? Um, when If Downs is out, who steps up? Pierce is out, you know, who steps up? Some of that will be helped with Ashton Doolin coming back. Also probably gets into the return man conversation as well because um, he's super fast. But that to me is it's a draft position, but it's one that you know it could well be a day three draft pick. There, they you need more than eleven catches from your number four receiver. I don't think I'm crazy in in, in that thought.
0: No, not at all. Absolutely not at all. That's something. Yeah, I didn't even really comprehend. That is staggering. With like I said, just the amount of four, five set receivers now you see in the league to have your fourth receiver get eleven catches. That is surprising without a doubt. I would say backup quarterback in part because obviously right. What we just saw this past season with Richardson getting hurt. Hopefully that changes, but there's no guarantee. Um, so that's obviously reason number one. You still want to compete if Richardson can't play, but also what we we're just kind of talking about with the secondary. I think it's also important to bring someone in that can help mentor Richardson that can help him from a veteran perspective, teach him tricks of the trade, help make sure his daily habits are, are making the, his day the most efficient it can be. Where he's not wasting time focusing on this or that when he could be focusing on you know other things to improve. There's a lot of right, different things you learn just the longer you're in the league. And so I think if you're the Colts, I think you can expect Gardner Minshew to leave um, and try to chase a starting spot somewhere. So the two guys I would discuss, Georgia, and definitely um, seriously consider bringing in Teron Taylor, number one, guy that played well when he played for the Giants this past year. Obviously also fits similar scheme and profile the way Richardson plays, so you don't have to change the offense too much, kind of the way he did when, when uh, Gardner Mitchell came in this past year. But also another one I would really consider bringing in here, George. I'm not sure if he'd be open to it, or maybe he might be too priced out. I would bring back Jacoby Brissett. I think he would be a tremendous influence um on ar and i think you provide awesome leadership um to help right now again even though richardson's going into year number two he's basically a rookie i think he'd be a tremendous asset if the colts if he's not expensive enough um or i should say too expensive really uh to bring back to town
1: that's funny because his name was in the back of my head a lot this offseason um because obviously he's bounced around quite a bit since since he was here um, we know Ballard has a ton of respect for him. I mean, you don't have to question that. Um, and it's exactly the the mold that, that you're talking about. It's exactly the kind of guy that, that you want to bring in here. Uh, seen it all. Been around the league now for a long time. Has been a starter and a backup. Can really be that that extra voice in Anthony Richardson's head. Um, and maybe outside of Jalen Hurts, the best tush-push guy out there, right? I mean, hundred percent third and one cover Brissett is money um but you know he's also familiar with the the organization and I know Steichen's offense is different than Frank Reich's but there's a lot of similar semino- similarities too because they obviously worked together uh for a while and then Steichen spent a lot of time with Nick Sirianni who obviously has been around uh Reich a lot too so there I I'm sure it wouldn't take long for Brissett to pick up the offense it's a long way of saying that um I also think this is a is a sneaky good pick by you as far as for need because it's another position Chris Ballard brought up in in the in the post season postseason presser. You know he said when somebody asked him about you have got a quarterback taken care of, you don't have to worry about this offseason. He said, "Hey, that number two spot's really important too. You know, look what Gardner did this year. That's not something that that we're going to ignore. So I definitely think that's something they're going to be looking at this offseason. Now I agree." Can they afford Jacoby Brissett? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what he wants to do this offseason. It feels like, um, you never know, in, in the NFL, uh, fortunes change quickly, very quickly. Uh, but it feels like kind of his starting opportunity is passed. He's probably not going to be handed a starting job, and, and I don't know that he's going to be brought in to compete for one necessarily at this point. There are you know, you never know that every team's got their own priorities. Um, So maybe coming back somewhere where, where he has been a starter in the past and a backup, but where he's comfortable around uh, the facility, maybe that will be of interest to him. I like the Tyrod Taylor as well, because I do think that's something that that the Colts need to look at it. I like that Baltimore model where you've got Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley is, is backing him up uh, and you see they're competitive when Huntley's out there. I mean, you know, year after year when, when Jackson's been out, either because of injury or because they just didn't want to play him at the, at the end of the year this year because they had everything clinched, uh, Huntley comes in and, and does a good job. You know, it helps us team out. So I think that model, if you're not going the Jacoby Brissett path and somebody who's sort of seen it all, done it all, been there, uh, I, I think getting a backup who can can run – uh, can make plays with both his arms and his legs. I think that's the way to go.
0: And especially too, bring in the vet that can, again, help move Richardson along, I think would be massive too. And when we kind of hit on Richardson, George, two things here um, with him. Number one, we'll start with the, I mean, they're both positive. We're going to talk about, but we'll start with a really good positive. And that's the fact that there was video this week of Anthony Richardson throwing the football, George. A great sign, as Stephen Holder does point out, that, at least according to the doctors he spoke with, Richardson throwing is about six to eight weeks ahead of schedule for when he was supposed to throw. So we knew when he got surgery, he should have, he should be ready for um, OTAs and a lot of off-season work come May and June. Um, but here he is, middle of February, getting passes already up in Jacksonville, Florida, you said it before, so not to steal your line here, George, but it's safe to say it doesn't look like we're going to have an Andrew Luck 2.0 mystery around AR's shoulder health.
1: He's not in Europe, so that's a good sign right that's away. You know, he's, we, we know he's down in Jacksonville. There's video evidence, like you said, that he's throwing. It's not a rumor. Um, they, It's been backed up. Unless it's a deep fake, it would be a really good one. Um, but you
0: but- know what? Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot.
1: Can't can't rule it out. I've
0: gotten fooled a few times by those. So I really, I really hope it's not.
1: I'm pretty sure it's it's all been confirmed by all the relevant parties. Um, And it's not a real shock with him because, I mean, he didn't, he did not want to have the surgery initially. He has said that several times this offseason or since the surgery happened because he didn't want to, you know, leave the team and he knew that they were playing well and, you know, he wanted to be a part of this. And, you could tell it was killing him to even wear that sling. Like he, he wanted rid of that as soon as he could. Um, He wanted to throw as soon as he could. I think from all reports, and I think Steven even had mentioned this too, they've had to hold him back during this process. You know, he wants to do all of it yesterday and he was the same way coming in last year. I mean, from the moment he got drafted, he was just ready. Give me every snap, you know, put me out there, practice me five hours a day. That's, that mentality, I think, is part of why the league's so high on him, in all honesty. You see the talent. That's obvious. Anybody who watched Combine last year understands he's an absolute physical freak. What you never know with these guys until you're really around them is that work ethic and that want to and that desire. And he checks every one of those boxes. I think he would – his teammates said he's always in his playbook. You can't just go have a conversation with him, you know, about movies or video games or whatever they're talking about in a locker room. Um, he's in his playbook, you know, 24-7. And that work ethic, that commitment, that absolute desire on his part for greatness, he talks about it all the time. I think that's probably the number one thing that the people around the league say, yeah, he only played four games, but we know physically he can do the job. And you have learned mentally and commitment-wise he can do the job. At that point, it's just a matter of staying healthy. If he can stay healthy, he can take this team to to some pretty interesting heights.
0: And that, too, that work ethic is something that, like, Look, obviously, you need physical tools to, to succeed, right? That's uh, I'm not gonna sit and pretend like me and you could play quarterback if we just had the the sheer will. We could not. No. but I that, no like, that's a big separator right in terms of like what makes good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks like you look mm-hmm. at Mahomes right and the chiefs going back to back for the first time in 20 years. Well, one of the biggest things you hear about Patrick Mahomes is his work ethic is the fact that they won the Super Bowl last year. Right. His second one, he's getting all these accolades. He's accomplishing all these insane feats so early in his career. But it's like he's back at work like two weeks after the game is over. And he's like working like he's never won anything. And that's like that work ethic, that drive to be great every single day, no matter what, never getting complacent is part of the reason, along with obviously his physical tools of why the Chiefs right now are back to back going for the first ever three P. It's like you, you, those things are. Those things are true separators, but also they're not coachable. Like Shane Sykin can't coach Richardson to have that drive, right? To have that motivation every single day to be better and want to get back on the field as soon as he can. And like you said, take more reps at practice and just do more, more, more. You can't coach him to study the playbook more. It's either you have that in you or you don't. And so far, like I said, this being the latest example almost two months before he was expected to throw the football. Here he is getting some early tosses in that highlights. And like you said, a big reason to feel a lot of excitement going forward, that this guy is the real deal because he has it not only physically, but he's got it up here, George.
1: Mm, There's no doubt about it. I mean, um, every box that you want on a quarterback to check, he's checked it. I mean, He's got all the physical measurements that you need. You know, he's no one's saying he's too small in any way. He's got
0: <laughs> –
1: obviously, he's got the arm strength. Josh Allen was just out there saying he might have the strongest arm in the NFL during Super Bowl week. Um, but it's all there. I mean, his ability to read a defense, I think, was underrated coming in. I think it's one of the things the Colts said early on. He, If you remember – I caused a mini stir. I didn't even know I was doing it. I had like one paragraph in, in a story and it kind of took off about the Colts. Didn't feel like he was as raw as advertised, like after rookie mini camp uh, because they felt like his pocket presence. You could see that on tape. I mean, that was their watch YouTube highlights for 15 seconds and you'll see his pocket presence. Um, But they also felt like he was picking up the playbook rapidly and you could see that, I remember because it seems funny now. I remember the controversy over it. Was it the Bears preseason game he didn't play in? Because they yeah. had the the, the the dual practices before that. Yes. And so, so That's enough. and it was, He's not going to be ready. He's not going to be ready. He came out week one against Jacksonville. He was ready. You could tell he had picked up everything. Now, the injuries were their own thing. But they felt like early on, this is not a guy that we're going to have trouble with bringing in new concepts. He was telling them things in meetings. Hey, you know, let's, let's add this to this play. What if we, what if I do this on this? He's already at that point as a rookie, it's all there. Again, the, the big piece and the one that you just cannot check. And until it happens is health. If that box gets checked, there's nothing standing between him and the pro bowl.
0: I definitely was not one of those people, George, that were freaking out when he was not playing in the preseason <laughs> game. Definitely not. There are no we podcast evidence of that being said right here.
1: I think that everybody was fans and media like, because you're going, man, this guy, they ever talk about is experience and you're not going to play him in the, in the preseason, but they knew then that he was ready. And to me, it goes against a lot of the knocks that you heard in, in the scouting. But I mean, look, the scouts do excellent work. And all the analytics and everything else you try to bring in have made it. You've got more information than ever before on these players. It, probably at any point in NFL history coming in, you, you have so many ways, so many metrics now for all of these guys that you can look at. But I do think it's sometimes it's paralysis by analysis. Sometimes you just go back to the tape and there's the player. It, it tells you all you need to know. Um, and I think that's, it happened with CJ Stroud and people put so much on that stupid S2 test and then he's not going to be ready. Um, I, I feel like it's going to happen to the prospects this year. It happens every year. I feel like the draft process has now become more about tearing guys down than building up, finding reasons they won't succeed than, than finding reasons they will. And I think one of the things that Colts have done really well is to look at what these players do really well and bank on that. And, you know, believe that you can work on their their areas that they're not there but a lot of times the things that you hear the murmurs that are out there the whispers i, I remember some of the things i was hearing this time last on richardson is he wasn't a good leader that didn't prove to be true he just was young and didn't play a lot and you had heard you know well athletically it's there but what about everything else everything else is off the charts It's is it's as amazing as the athleticism That's why I I know people get frustrated out there because he just played four games. You do have to see it on the field. There's no question about that. You have to see it on the field. You got to see it for more than four games. But the reason there's so much optimism is all the other pieces are there. When you go back and you look at what gave Philip Rivers a long career, what gave Matt Ryan a long career, what gave Peyton Manning a long career, All those off-field elements are there. They're totally different quarterbacks on the field. But all those off-field elements are there with Anthony Richardson. That's why people are so excited.
0: And like you said, the only question for the most part is health. It's Mm -hmm. not, does he have the accuracy? Does he Mm -hmm. have the ability to read defenses? Does he have the athletic ability? Like like you said, it was a short sample size, but a good amount of the league, not just the Colts, by the way. This is not just Colts propaganda, if you will, trying to hype up you know, fans for 2024, this is the league telling you it was a small sample size, but a lot of questions we had were already answered, and now it's more of if he can stay healthy, then we expect to see a lot more of what we did see in a very short sample size, and that leads us to our final thing here, George, of looking ahead to 2024. Again, not just us here, right, with the Colts, but nationally. There is a belief right now in this Colts team, and specifically Anthony Richardson, the Athletic this week put out power rankings for 2024. Early look ahead, again, we still have a lot of right draft free agency, a lot to go, and these rankings I'm sure will adjust. But like kind of right now looking ahead, the Athletic ranked the Colts 14th in the league out of 32. Top half, okay, solid. Richardson was a big reason for that. But for me, Georgia, what's interesting in this is not being 14th for the Colts, but it's who they're above. The Colts were ranked right now above the Eagles who went to the Super Bowl last year, and the Jaguars, who we thought had the next generational quarterback of Elway, Luck, Trevor Lawrence, Colts are right now ahead of both of them. And in large part, it's not because Michael Pittman Jr., it's not because Quentin Nelson or or Grover Stewart, no disrespect to them, they obviously help, but a big part of that is the belief right now in Anthony Richardson being the real deal, which again, it's not just us here. This is a this is a league wide belief, and as long as he gets it healthy, there's very exciting times ahead.
1: Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen—that's what's driving you know all the optimism and people thinking what that offense can look like uh, with those two working together and Jonathan Taylor, you know, getting him in the backfield with with this group. Um, but you're right; it's it's across the league. It's it's not just cold circles. It's not. People whispering in Colt's beat writers' ears and saying, you know, hey, hype up Anthony Richardson. That's not what's going on. It never happens, by the way. People think that that's, you know, I get that all the time. Oh, well, you beat writers, look, you can't get us to to agree on, you know, what pizza should be in, in the media room. You're really not going to get us to agree on to, – to hype a, a quarterback. but um, well, you're
0: telling me Shane Second didn't slip you a 20 to write some good things about AR? And, hey,
1: I can't say he didn't do it to anybody else. He didn't do it to me. <laughs> so. No, I mean it's just it's it's insane, you know. There's conspiracy theories that, that come up, but around the league, it's you'll feel it again at the combine. There is a real sense that Richardson's that guy, that he's going to be another quarterback who kind of takes takes that position to to a different level. It has to it has to bear out. I mean, that's it's all potential right now. We know what Bear Bryant said about potential but you've got to realize why that feeling is the way it is it doesn't guarantee anything there's no guarantees in the nfl period but there are so many people out there that that look at shane steichen the scheme that he runs that look at the pairing that you could have with richardson and taylor and say this is special. This is very unique. I think the Colts would be even higher on this ranking if they had the same feeling about the defense. I think that's right now what where they're kind of being held back a little bit.
0: You're right about that. And it kind of goes to the importance of filling out the whole roster and not just worrying about the quarterback and the offense. You need a full team um, to win a lot of games, but it's, it's exciting. And two really fast. You mentioned before, like there's a belief, right? in Shane sikin there's belief in Anthony Richardson there's belief in Shane Steichen. Like, if you look at those three, head coach, quarterback, running back, I mean, the Colts have a chance next year, maybe outside of the 49ers. I don't think I'm missing – maybe I'm missing a team or two off the top of my head. So, but like, the Colts have a chance next year, George, if Richardson plays the way we think he could play. To be number one or be top three in terms of head coach, quarterback, running back duos in the league. There's a lot of – you know, that's – You talk about explosiveness and you talk about winning a lot of games. You have one of the best trios like that, along with Michael Pittman Jr. You're going to be pretty good.
1: And I think part of it's something that you brought up a a couple weeks ago, um, that there's a feeling that this offense could be its own thing, that they're not following in the footsteps of Buffalo or Philadelphia or Baltimore, that they're going to be their own offense because you haven't seen anything. Maybe in the college game you've seen something like a Richardson taylor combo uh but you haven't really seen it at the nfl level and i think people really interested in, in and fans here should be really interested to see how that plays out i think westfield's going to be really fun this summer because you didn't get to see taylor and richardson in westfield last year together right. taylor you know had the hoodie on and and was scowling a lot and and, and was not out there on the field with them this year health willing they will be out there together. And and I think it'll be something that, that there'll be a lot of eyes on.
0: Oh yeah. The buzz will be palpable, right? Also too, last year, it's unknown of, Hey, there's, we hope Richardson can pan out and let's kind of more of like, let's go see what we got versus now it's like, okay, short, sample size, but we liked what we saw and now it should be hopefully better. Um, And as long as AR could stay healthy, like I said, it's going to be dazzling with him and, and JT in the backfield. That's going to be, That's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right. So that'll do it for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Make sure you are downloading and subscribing wherever you do get your pods. And also check us out on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Have a great rest of your weekend or a great weekend. I don't know why I said rest of. The weekend hasn't started yet. It's only Thursday, George. But here I am screwing up the ending uh, as usual. It's going to happen
1: for a a day late. It it messes everything up. The calendar has gone.
0: I am right now drunk with optimism. That That is the problem. Some Chiefs, yeah, it's the optimism right now. Talking about Anthony Richardson, seeing him throwing, seeing how nationally people are talking about him. It's gone right to my head. It's gone right to my head. It's February 15th. Uh, the season, though, cannot come soon enough. That is for sure. Let's go. Let's go. So have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.